0: This is WexCast from the Wexner Center for the Arts at The Ohio State University. For this episode, we're sharing a gallery talk from November 2019 with Ohio University Professor of Art John Sabra. The activist and environmentalist joined us to discuss the Wex's fall 2019 exhibition here, Anne Hamilton, Jenny Holzer, Maya Lin specifically to talk about Lynn's two installations for the show, which illustrate human-driven changes to Ohio waterways in dense concentrations of recycled steel pins and small glass beads. The feats of ingenuity and engineering behind these waterway changes are wondrous, but to Sabra, they're also emblematic of overconsumption and hubris. Let's listen.
1: Well, thank you for the invitation to talk here today, Alana, Um, and thank you for the opportunity to... Talk about Maya's work in this fantastic space and to contribute to the discourse of this excellent exhibition. I don't know if anybody got to see the conversation over in the Mershon Center with uh, Jenny and uh, Ann and Maya, but it was amazing. It was one of the best things I've seen in a long time. This space um, is a great, awesome, crazy space, and like all the places that we live in now, this was not possible without the use of natural resources of all kinds steel, concrete, glass, you name it, right? And for a long time, we thought that these natural resources were abundant enough that they can be extracted really liberally. But now we know for like five decades, maybe more now, that they are not in fact infinitely abundant and then extracting them in non-sustainable ways has wrought terrible environmental and economic troubles, right, global warming, climate change, inequality, you name it. These are the results of our hubris. So it's interesting to look at Maya's work and to think about the Ohio River and the Ohio River Valley. And I love these little glass marbles, which are made in Mansfield, Ohio, if I remember correctly. These are Ohio marbles, and they're, to me, I mean, I love this space because all of this floodplain is like a bunch of little gems, like amazing little gems. And yes, I too want to pick them up and put them in my pocket. I probably shouldn't have said that out loud. It's a long story. But I love it. And each of these little gems reminds me of the treasure that the Ohio floodplain is. That it took millennia to build the soil. To build the microbiome, To have all the animals and plants evolve over all of that time here. But the issue is that as the river comes down the wall and reverses its course right over here, instead of becoming a positive water flow and comes out into this floodplain area, I know that there is trouble bubbling underneath the surface. That there is, in fact, a hidden topography under this an anthro topography, a record of our natural resource extraction. And throughout the first half of the 20th century, along the Ohio River in southeastern Ohio, there was a lot of strip mining and room and pillar mining for coal. And strip mining is basically they clear cut the forest and then they extract the soils off the surface and pull the coal out that way very easy. sometimes called mountaintop removal. And in room and pillar mining, they dug tunnels through the hills underground, pumped out all the water so they could extract the coal easily. But by the 1970s, most of the coal companies had moved on and they left behind open mines, disturbed land, and inadequate restoration. So what happens is, when an underground coal mine is left abandoned and open, it fills with water. And that water contains oxygen. And then that oxygen and water interact with mineral surfaces that have been buried for 300 million years. And when there's sulfides present, and in Appalachia there's a lot of sulfides, what happens is it generates a high concentration of sulfuric acid and iron. And that dissolved heavy metal flow is one of the worst environmental problems we have in Ohio. It's one of the worst legacies of coal mine. It destroys and kills the aquatic life in over 1,300 streamed miles in Ohio alone, which is crazy. And you'll see these, if you drive south of here, you'll see that basically you see these orange streams going in they look really nasty, and they are nasty, and they are orange. And that color comes from iron oxide. And so one day, I was out there with some environmental educators, and they were talking about this iron oxide flow, this toxic flow that's killing our rivers. And I was like, iron oxide? I'm a painter. I know that half my paints are made with iron oxides. I know that cave paintings, the oldest paintings we know, were made with iron oxides, typically a red ochre, Right? So I was like, can I, can I scoop this out? Can I use this to make paint? And they were like, well, we don't know. Like, OK. So I took some back to the studio. I'm playing with it. And not long after that, a friend of mine comes up and says, well, would you meet with my engineering professor? Because he needs an artist's help. And I'm like, I'm an artist. I will go have coffee. It'll be good. So I go have coffee with him. And he's thinking the same thing. He's like, what if we could take this toxic iron sludge and turn it into a valuable resource instead of disposing it as a waste product? What if we could make cleaning up all of this pollution that's affecting our waterways into an entrepreneurial endeavor rather than a societal cost? And so we began collaborating together. An artist and a scientist, two weirdos admittedly, working from very different fields. And coming at it with their own audiences and their own experiences, big differences. But over the years, my collaborations have taught me that artists and scientists share two things, curiosity and failure. We are endlessly curious, and our curiosity drives us to pursue the most unlikely of paths. And we fail most of the time in those paths. But in doing that, we actually learn something. We pick up some clue that drives us to push even further which is awesome. And when I look at this work and I think about what Maya's doing collaborating with scientists, collaborating with GIS systems and, and all these things, it, it just blows my mind. Um, and I can tell you the stories later about what we're doing with the paint and everything else, but Alana's right, thanks to Alana, which is amazing, and maybe Shelly, maybe a hundred other people I don't know, I actually got to spend basically a full day with Maya before the exhibition opened, which is like great. Even though I was in my new car, which I didn't know how to use because my car was like 16 years old and everything was roll-up windows and nothing was electric, you know, and I got a new one and they're like spaceships now. If <laughs> anybody here has a new car with like a 360 view on it? Like, I didn't know how to drive it, so I'm driving. I'm trying to drive mine to Columbus, and literally, like, I can't work the GPS. And she's like, "What? We're like messing with all the buttons on the car. And none of us can figure out how to work a car." It's hilarious. We're good. But this conversation, what was amazing about it is that we realized that both of us work with the Ohio River Valley, and we both work with the Hudson River Valley. Uh, we both have shows in the same place at the same time, which is amazing and awesome. And, and I'm talking with her, and, and it's, uh, she's a blast. If you ever get the chance, she is, she's like the most fun. She's not the most fun? She's like the most fun. Um, but we were really concerned about things. We were concerned about how we could take our artwork and make it into something that was more active. You know? Because what is an artist's job? An artist's job is to create catalytic experiences that in turn can foster examination of the key events of our time. And in those examinations, we might come to some realizations that can be acted on. And that conversation was so inspiring and amazing. And we realized like, wow, both of our daughters are in college, they're the same age. We're trying to push our work in certain directions. And, and it, was, it was just stunning. So at the end of the conversation, we were talking about her some of her other work like What Is Missing, which is an amazing project about extinction of things, and she's really trying to catalog that. And from that, she's pushing forward into a green future, really working towards how we can push climate change action, like, head-on, right? And so when we were talking about this piece in particular, we were relating the branching off of the main river into all these tributaries and things and looking at that fractal relationship. And we were equating that fractal relationship to the same way the trunk of a tree and the smaller and smaller branches of a tree has that same fractal relationship in its growth and in its life. And we came to the conclusion that the easiest thing for people to do, one of the most impactful but simple things that we can do, is actually planting trees. Which I know it sounds dumb. I know that. More of I said it out loud. Before, you know? But that's our conclusion, because it's cheap, it's easy. Trees like to grow, and they love to grow in Ohio. Ohio is a true state, even though they cut nearly every tree down in the state so that we could burn those trees to create charcoal so we could smell terrible iron ore. i can tell you that story later, too. But basically, I thought about it, and I emailed Maya, and I asked her if it would be okay if what we did today, instead of talking with each other in a room, was if we could maybe take action against climate change today, right now. So do y'all want to plant a tree? Yes? Come with me. Let's go plant a tree today. Let's go. You know where they go? Take them there. Let's go. Come on. It's gonna be fun. Yes, ma'am. you Yes, ma'am. Yes, that is Yeah, no, this is the a... this is the Ohio River. And if you come around the corner here, right up at the top corner, right up there, is where it just comes. Columbus, right in the top corner right next to this little, see where it comes down by the light right there? Yes. Right on the outside of this day, Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> right you the light that light there, where okay. Columbus <laughs> 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 Right where the light hits in that corner. Okay. That's where Columbus is
0: in several starts.
1: Yeah, it's, it's well, it's a trigger So basically, these are the that feed into it. So That one, that one, and that So the only So the orange manry river
0: would
1: be? Uh, a Maya question. That's what I would be <laughs> <the> a <Maya> question.
0: Because <laughs> I live on the Well,
1: you're probably right up there. And then it comes down here, the main branch of the Ohio. And right here is this place. This is where the river flow comes in. Right here, right there. This is a positive river flow then this part right here is a negative river flow. In other words, that's where the river is. But instead of highlighting the water flow, she's highlighting the flood. So all of these marbles out here, that is where this reservoir, the Ohio River, floods. Now, this is the actual water. Correct, yes. So it changes where? Right there. That's where the river comes in us you know, with the now, water flow and then from there instead of flowing down into normal channel, it's going out into these areas, which is actually flooded. Now where is
0: this,
1: this southern Ohio or Yeah, these go down to southern Ohio, that's where are these Up north it's not up north it's not as wide. When you get down south and you get where the Ohio hits West like Virginia, then it gets wider and wider. And I can't do it and you can't do it, but mine when she was here, she loved to step in and just walk the whole river. She was like, I can
0: do this because I know. Like, okay, right. um,
1: okay. Because
0: all right, I'm I'm already planting trees. I'm doing back here in wildlife and aiming for a national wildlife. Yeah. And I have solar panels, so. Okay. You are. I love it. I'm glad you came today. Is this what like, consistent with other floods in Ohio, not being from Ohio? That there's let's call it small runoff to the north mm-hmm. and then in. This is more and more correct. as it gets up. That's her. correct, yeah. And, and this area over here is where the most is there an area where it's most at risk, where where communities are most at risk?
1: Well, actually, in most of these areas, things are at risk. And if you look in the last several years, particularly <laughs> the last 15 years, there's been epic, epic, like 100-year events and, and plus events down in southern Ohio all along. This. lots of communities have been affected by it. And I live in Athens right now, Athens, Ohio, mm-hmm. and we've definitely had our... We've had our eight highest floods um, in our history in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. No, there's no... I mean, no there's case. a wonderful statistic for doses to be talking
0: to yeah. students. Starting yeah. like started at 4 o'clock. Well, awesome.
1: That you. was fantastic.
0: <laughs> that was Ohio University professor John Sabra discussing the work of Maya Lin in the Wexfall Exhibition Here. For in-person visitors for the talk, Sabra also led a short workshop in which all guests left with a small tree for planting. For info on other interactive events and all things Wex, go to wexarts.org. I'm Melissa Starker for the Wexner Center for the Arts. Thanks for listening.